I heard the, I felt the air kick on halfway through, and I almost stopped seeing it. Felt so good. I could feel a little cold. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a warm person by nature. I'm also a big time sweater. So you get what you get today. It's been a busy morning, but here we are at the sermon. I'm honored to get to preach. It's awesome to see a completely new perspective. Same people, some new people, different places. Very cool. For those of you that are new or not new, you may have never met my daughter Emma. She's up here at the front. Normally she's up in the crow's nest at your location doing this. Um, so now you get to watch her work. So everyone pay very close attention to her and let her know what you think. <laughs> uh, but, but all that to say, you know, here we are. It's very interesting uh, the way that God's put all this together. Um, you know, we, we started this journey a long time ago to bring us in here. I don't want to wax philosophical too much about the move because obviously we're here to lift the Lord's name on high. But the Lord has provisioned so much for us in order to be able to do that here that it's, it's worth uh, mentioning how cool it is to be here, how exciting it is to be here. Uh, hearing the sirens and things like this, um, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't find them as an annoyance. I was actually moved when Leah prayed. That's something we wouldn't hear living where we were before. Kind of isolated from the city. We moved out here very specifically to be close to people that we had ministered to in the past. So to hear the sirens knowing that there's help, first responders heading out, and we can lift them up in prayer almost in real time, is a, a very cool, a very awesome, blessed, holy benefit. Uh, this is very cool. So today we finish the Sermon on the Mount. It's called Building on the Rock. And obviously what we're going to talk about in a very relatively short passage is this notion of, of a, a building on a foundation that is solid. It's... You may think, wow, well done, where you tied this on when you're moving to a new building and rebuilding. That was not what happened. It just happens to be the day that we're here, if you will, uh, building our church, continuing our, in the building of our church at this location. Um, so uh, with that said, let's read the passage together, and then um, we'll pray. If you've got your Bibles, we'll be at the very tail end of Matthew 7. Let me give me a second. I'm, I was going to try to read it off the screen, but... Happen. I'm just going to call it up here. We'll be at 24 to the end. And uh, read, uh, read, read along with me. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus had finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, sitting in this pulpit and teaching on your word with the authority given to us as teachers, is no small task, Lord, and I pray that people will hear your words and know that you are speaking to them through the Holy Spirit with authority in a way that we as, as mortal men could never do, Lord. We are so thankful for your word. We are so thankful for the treasure that it is, and we are thankful to be able to, to study together, to lift your name on high in song together today in this location, Lord. We are thankful for uh, for Tom uh, Fiddlery, the, the, the place that owns us, that, that, that allows us to come in here and do this, Lord. We are thankful for many things, uh, but most of all, Lord, we are thankful for your son and what he did on the cross to give us a reason and a passion for coming and doing this sort of work. Say your sons in my prayer. Amen. All right. Building on the rock. So welcome to our new location. So we are excited to build this church here. I had to say something about it. I'm talking about building. So we've been building our church for a while. We're going to continue to build it here. We're excited to see how God 
uh, moves in that regard. So to, to be clear, a physical building is a blessing. It's worth being thankful for. It's nice to have a roof over our head. But the building of the church is far more than that. We've said it a million times. We need it. The structure that we are in is not the church. Amen. Let us prove that today by being in this place and lifting the name of God on high, just as if we were in any other location. If we had no roof and we were in a dirt floor, we would probably be more aligned with the majority of the world. Right. And Christ's name has as much power there as it does here. Amen. So in closing, I'm not closing just yet. <laughs> but Christ is closing on his sermon on earth. <laughs> and it's a pretty quick close. I mean, it's, it's really, when Christ has been speaking, there's four lines here to kind of capstone this, and then that. And if you remember last week's sermon, you know, we were talking about departing from me, I never knew you, and the separation. It wasn't like a closure. He's still teaching kind of new, maybe new material, if you will. And then we get to this point here. The passage is short and sweet. Unlike my sermons, I know, there's no recap. He doesn't give you points to ponder none of the nonsense that I do. He just wraps it up. And I think this is intentional on this part. This ending would have seemed very abrupt. To people that are used to scribes teaching. I'm not going to get too long-winded. Please come to our small group tomorrow or next uh, week because I'm sure we'll be able to get into this a bit more. But teaching of the word, teaching about God at this time was a much more protocol-oriented endeavor. There would have been, like we have this today, if you go to like a Catholic service or whatever else with long benedictions and many things that are spoken and wrote, a lot of wrote. It was the same way then. Oh, here comes the end of the sermon. Everybody starts packing up. We've got 20 minutes because he has to go through the laundry list of items that a prescribed does, and there's a way that they conduct it. We don't see this here. If they hear it, do it. Built on the rock. If they don't, built on the sand, and it'll be a great fall. And that's that. Seems pretty simple, though, what he's teaching here, huh? Hear and do. Everyone who hears these words and does them is like the wise man who built on the rock. And we don't talk about this very much because it might seem intuitive, but is it good? Is, is a rock good? Now, most of us that have ever dealt with trying to build like a house of cards on something like a bed knows that you want something further than that, right? So suffice to say, in this example, to be clear, rock is good. The rain fell, floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house. These are very interesting word choices. It doesn't say the rain may come and there may be floods, Watch out for potential wind that could do damage. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house. Here we see the exact promise that Christ gives, which is troubles will come. The, the natural troubles of the world, persecution because of who you say you are, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. This will be happening. The, the, the question is, what's going to happen to your house when it comes? Do you want to remain there? Or do you want it to be an island? In this case, it didn't fall. Why? Because it was founded on the rock. Seems very clear. It's got a firm foundation, build a house on a rock. Lots of head nods, sure. And then we're expecting an opposite, right? I think this is a reasonable expectation. If you study the word, this has done a lot. We do this in real life. I'm a big metaphor guy. I like saying what things aren't sometimes to help clarify what they are. So it's a reasonable expectation. Jesus himself often teaches that way. Lots of parables have the same idea. Look at these three examples. Bing, bing. That's how that lines up. But here, the opposite is we're paying attention to. In this passage, he only mentions a single opposite. Hear and do not. We have hear and do. You've heard the word you do it, good. If you hear and don't do, hear and do not, also pretty simple. Everyone who hears these words and does not do them is a foolish man who built on sand. This too may seem intuitive, but this, this is implying that. It's not two goods or two beds, right? Sand is bad for building. 
We like the beach as much as anybody. I know some beachgoers here that are going to be like, sand is bad. Oh, great. You're telling me going to the beach? No, that's all we're talking about. We're talking about building your house in the sand. Many of us that go to the beach and enjoy the beach don't have a house that we have built on the beach. Number one, it's very expensive to do that. Why? Because you first have to put a rock on the beach or something s similar in strength to a foundation. Elsewise, the next time you come down to your vacation home, it will not be there. You can maybe see it floating in bits out in the ocean. In this case, the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on our house. Same exact cadence of what came. No difference. You build your house in the rock, you build your house in the sand, the world begins to do its thing and try to tear it down. But in this case, it fell. And Jesus adds, and this is interesting, and great was the fall of it. Here's a specific mention. Not, we, and we don't see this early. We don't see it. It's been found that it didn't fall, and it really stood extra tall because it found it on the rock. Now the rock held it, and that's that. But in this case, what we see is cat catastrophe. It wasn't just the slip, right? If you get into the, the, the meaning of this in, the, in the kind of the original text, it was to, to know that it had been utterly destroyed. It wasn't we lost the guest room or the garage is flooded. It is, it, the house is no more. It has been completely erased. And then Jesus drops the mic. That's it. He's done. He turns the leaves, I guess. No record here of a prayer to close or a recap or a summary or everyone can get your notes. Uh, let's shake hands. The music comes up. They didn't do a closing song. No indication of this. And they have, but I don't see it here. Do what I say, you'll be good. Don't do it, you'll be destroyed. And then you leave. And this would have been shocking for them to hear. I, I, I can't, for what it's worth, at the time there would have been some expectation that this, this guy's going to justify this with the word of God. Specifically, bring up the Old Testament. But he doesn't. He says this and leaves. Why do I say it'd be shocking? Because the crowds are shocked. It's right here in the Word. We don't have to assume that it was shocking. When Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. Why? For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. They were shocked. They could tell that Jesus taught with authority. They knew that Jesus knew. Right? I know the Bible reasonably well, but I don't know God like Jesus knew God. He was God. Jesus was bringing the word. He was breathing God's word with absolute authority. And, and by their reaction here about this guy, this is different than the scribes. This is, something, this is something new and fresh and clear and concise and it's got authority. This is something that is worth paying attention to. And it's not to say that the scribes and the teachers were no good, but they didn't teach with any authority. They just recited the word that they had. Here's the law of Moses. Here's this and here's that. And and it was like, let's just go through the motion. I'm not trying to impact you. I don't care if you believe it or not. Really, my job is just to read it and write it and teach it and memorize it. And I do that. But Christ is doing something vastly different. And at this point, you might be thinking, as maybe they were, are we missing something here? We have here and do. You've heard it. You do it. We have here and do not. But what about don't hear? I'm glad you asked. What? If they do not hear. Let's go to Romans. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. This is why we are here. He doesn't address this here. He doesn't address this exact scenario. If you remember the very beginning of Sermon on Mount, he calls his apostles to him. He's kind of teaching to everybody. But the stuff that he's talking about are really aimed, if you will, at his apostles, his disciples, the people closest to him that believe in him. These are the things that we're going to start to do, begin to do. These are the things that are going to happen in your lives. The reason we're here, the, the reason we do the things that we do. But other people are hearing this. They're hearing him talk about this. And they're thinking, what's he talking about? This guy knows what's going on. Now listen to this stuff. This is incredible. Our charge for the Lord is to preach this good news. The reason Christ doesn't address it here is because we see him address this later. He gives us this great commission. Our job is to ensure that they will hear and then build their house on the rock or the sand. If you ever hear us talking about the talk about the notion of the Holy Spirit doing the saving, and our role in this is very limited, this is exactly what's going on here. Jesus makes this clear even as he, if there was anybody who through the power of preaching the word could save people directly, Christ would have done it. He would not have needed this example. He would have said, all have heard my words, being the Son of God, are now building their houses on the rocks. Congratulations, you get a rock and you get a rock. But he doesn't do that. He says, if you hear my words and you do it, you're on a rock. If you hear my words and you don't do it, implying that there are people that heard Christ's words and perhaps ignored it, build their house in the sand. Our job is just to make sure that they hear. They have to hear from us. God chose us to do it. We can't make them build their house on a rock. We can't make them build on sand. We can tell them they ought to. We can tell them why a rock is better. We can give them all the good news of the gospel. But if they choose to ignore that and go their own path, so be it. Points to ponder them. Number one, we must do what Christ teaches us. Amen. Period. When we talk about obedience, it is preeminent. It's exactly what we've read today. If we don't, we're building our house on the sand. We're investing in something that will be destroyed. Number two, we must not ignore anything, even if we don't fully understand. This is tricky business here. When we get into this, it's easy to look at binaries. Like, here's the rock and here's the sand. Well, I got a pretty good house on the rock, but I want more house and there's no more rock. I'll just build a little bit on the sand and maybe the rock will kind of prop it up, right, like an anchor. This is what sadly is happening in a lot of places. The rock's not quite enough, so we try to add something to it, not realizing that you can add nothing to the rock. Right. Number three, we must share what Christ teaches with everyone. Mm -hmm. And number four, we must trust fully in Christ for our ability to do anything in his name. I usually have a fourth bullet similar to that because if we're not careful, if I'm not careful, you get into this idea about like, let's go and do. I'm going to hear. I'm going to hear and I'm going to do. Uh, woe to the person that thinks that they can hear and do anything without the work of Christ uh, operating through the Lord Holy Spirit in us through what Christ did on the cross. So first off, we must do what Christ teaches us. There is no gotcha here. There's no accept or unless or whatever. Uh, you're going to hear that from some people that uh, if there's a personal component of this or some sort of personal conviction, a new revelation. Uh, this, is not, this is not what we are talking about at all. Everything we need to know about uh, God was brought to us in his word. Tons of teachings that we've been studying uh, from Christ in here. But when we see what the Bible has in store for us, when we see what God has commanded us to do, that's it. There is no God plus or God minus. It is as straightforward as it gets. 
God's word is full of instruction for us, and we must heed it. As we seek to do this, in faith, Christ will see us through every step. That last part is very critical. When it comes to talking about things like this, like, here we go again, right? We're going to hear, oh, I've got to do everything the Bible says. Well, I can't. I've been struggling my whole life. Uh, you and me both, church, okay? This, I, I don't stand in front of you as somebody who has it all together. Today, of all days, believe me, I should have a sweat ring on my shirt. Like, I am not composed perfectly without error. I'm a very, very flawed person, but Christ has done everything required to restore me to God the Father. That's a miracle. That's what we're talking about. That said, when I go to his word and I see something in my life that is not in concert with the teachings of God, I have to remediate my life, not the word of God. Do what Christ teaches us. And if we do, in faith, as we move through this day by day, and little bits here, little bits there, and a new thing, and, a, and, and you start to see progress, and you start to be thankful for the progress, it does make a difference. It will, over time, get better and better. Secondly, we must not ignore anything, if, even if we don't fully understand. This, for me, is the biggest problem that we face. Is uh, There's a, many, many things that those of us in the church would say, well, well, you'll never catch me doing that. I'll never commit murder. I know that's wrong and equivocally wrong. We once did a Bible study. It was called Respectable Sins, I believe. It was just a, a bunch of little things that are sinful by design and by description that are very readily tolerated in, in churches all over the place because they don't seem that sinful. Or it's a sin that we all have, so we just aren't going to call it a sin anymore. There's great danger in that, church, because it's always a slippery slope. It always starts with something benign, and then pretty soon you, you, you don't even know where the rock is anymore, right? You don't even care about it. You've got your own house. We'll just keep rebuilding on the sand. As long as we keep adding to it, it never really collapses. Generally speaking, it's very easy to address those who ignore all the teaching. If you've ever spoken with an atheist or somebody who says, I don't believe, I find that very easy to talk to them. In many regards, right? They might have some, some, some problems in certain areas of the Bible. They think things about the Bible are untrue, and then you open their eyes a little bit, and they're like, huh. And they walk away kind of curious. I've never heard it said that way. I've never read that passage. I've never saw that or heard that it was explained. And I, someone else explained it to me, and I think they may have explained it differently, and now it sounds like they explained it wrong. Right. God's word is perfectly in with itself. But it's really tough to address those who ignore a few things here and there. We sometimes refer to this as the most dangerous type of, of saved, if you will. Not saved, but saved, unquote. Well, I've done all this work. I've done all these things. I know where I stand. I'm good to go. I come to church on Sunday. I pay my tithe. Get off my back. If I'm going to go smoke and drink and speed and fight everybody, I'll do that. That's my business, right? Uh, but here, look what I'm doing, all the good stuff. And, and don't get on me about these little things or I'm going to take this other stuff away. And we get into this match where people know the word. They know the gospel. They've heard it a hundred times. But they're still building their house on the sand. Let us let that not be us. If there's something that we're investing our time and money in that is specifically forbidden in the Word of God, if we're chasing after things that are not beneficial to us or edifying to us, the people that we love, let's forego them. Even taking one step away from for a little bit of the time. And if you think, here we go again. Yeah, I've tried. I don't know what to do. Holler at your church body. We are here in this part together. If you wonder why God doesn't want us to forsake the gathering of the saints, it's because it's not just to get together and sing, and not just to hear me share good news yet again, but if you think to yourself, man, I, what I'd like to do is get coffee with somebody and pour my heart out because I'm, I'm struggling. Do that. Yes. Ask for help. Make time for other people. I know everybody's busy. I get all that, but that's what we're here to do. 
When we somebody calls us on that, we're not really aware of what's going on, then one day someone just kind of disappears in the ether. I've seen this happen hundreds of times. What I'm really getting at here is it's all Christ or it's nothing at all. There is nothing that we can add to Jesus that does not lessen his impact in our life. That sounds counterproductive, but it's perfect. It is perfect. Everything you add detracts. If I take Jesus plus football, the football will rob something from Jesus. If I make that so core to my belief system, Jesus plus anything is negative here. We must not ignore it. And this might be tough for us, but Christ will see us through every step here as well. Even the one thing that's left, the one little thing that's left, I shared this anecdote before, but it sticks with me, and I think for good reason. Uh, I, I, I don't know that it's true, so I'm not saying this is the gospel or anything, but I heard a story that someone asked Billy Graham once. When he, back when he was uh, saved, when he first came to know Jesus and decided he was going to pursue this, you know, how did he, how has his life improved? He said, well, when I was saved, I had, a, I wrote down, someone, a pastor told me to write down things to pray for, things that I wanted to change about me, behaviors and thoughts and patterns of living that I didn't want to do anymore. And he said, I sat down and I wrote down seven things in my life. And then I'd add to it if something else came up and I'd cross it off as it went. And I've been, and said, I've been keeping this list, you know, for 40 plus years now or whatever. They said, well, what's your, what are you down to? And he said, there's 17 on here now. <laughs> the first seven, they probably crossed off 30 years ago, but there's always more of us to remove. When we talk about dying to ourselves daily, this is why. A tiny little bit of us that we want to hold on to, a little nugget of the past that we think is still okay by us, we can manage it. And I know associate right with God, but I think I have it under control pretty soon it completely consumes us. So we're out here trying to, 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 to pat down the sand even harder to see if it'll just hold up for a couple more months. Third, we must share what Christ teaches with everyone. <laughs> I mean, this is, a, this is a huge one for us. And when we talk about, I'm good, I'm doing the stuff I need to be doing here, I'm going to listen, I'm going to heed Christ's teaching. Now what? It is not enough to just sit in a holy huddle and high five and we finally got our lives together, everybody. We did it. By doing that, you've indicated you have not gotten your lives together when it comes to living a fully Christian life. Paul, what we read from Romans, clarifies this, I think, beautifully and eloquently. This notion of kind of walking through this question and answer that we looked at before. It's simple to wait for others. If you want to know why we're here today, then we tried that, if you will. We tried opening the doors. Let's open them even wider, right? Let's go out on the porch and wave at cars. I'm, they won't come to, they aren't coming in. They're not coming to us. Well, we're told to go to them. That's right. So that's what we're going to do. That's what we are called to do, and that's why we are here today. This is a small thing, and we're in a new building. It's not like we're wandering the streets with a, 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 you know, a megaphone. We're not doing that. But we have moved to this location because this is a place that we think God wants us to bring the word new, and we're going to do it. God's will must prevail, but he has chosen his church for this task. This alone is always a big conundrum. If someone is bound to be saved, they will be saved. It's not like someone's going to slip through the cracks because I didn't get up early enough to go down and share the good news today. That isn't how this works. But God has chosen in his divine authority to have his church be the mouthpiece for sharing the good news on this earth. And church, we take that seriously. It isn't a joke, and it's not something that like, oh, we'll get to it if we get to it. But the real key is that we don't miss all of our social activities as a church. No, that stuff should go in lieu of us sharing the good news. We're here today because of the comfort and the repetition, the ease of the way things worked in another building was not getting the job done. We were not getting the good news in enough people's hands. So we're here. 
God's will will prevail, but he has chosen us to do it. It may seem impossible. There's too many people. There's not enough time. Every time I open the door, a siren comes by. I mean, there's going to be a million excuses of why we can't do what we're supposed to do. But Christ will see us through every step. The beauty of everything we're talking about here boils down to this. Our ability to do anything in his name, we have to de depend fully on Christ. This is not an exercise in appearing devout or good. We are not down here so that we look friendly to the community. Or seem as if we care. We're down here because we care. And if we don't care, we have to fix that. We need to be on our knees in prayer. Jesus, break my heart for the folks wandering the street that don't have the good news, don't know which way is up, are very confused, very frustrated, isolated, perhaps have been burned or scorned by other churches that, have, that gave them a false gospel. And, and Lord, help me to bring to them the true gospel. We are called to do and be, not try and act. I hate to be, invoke anything from Star Wars, but there, there's a very good notion from Yoda of like, you know, we don't do or do not. There's no try. Either you do it or you don't do it. Yeah. Saying you're going to try is like when I was a kid and hear things like, we'll see. You remember saying to their kids? <laughs> hey, can I get ice cream? We'll see. Why not that, man? That's all. <laughs> and then I'm going to say, well, can we get ice cream? Well, I'll try. Okay. You know, either do or do not, Mom. There is no try. That would have not flown very well, but the reality is, this is what God's saying to us. Do it or don't do it. Now, if you do it and fail, spoiler alert, that's still doing it. <laughs> the Bible never says, don't fail or else. You know, we love this notion of, like, oh, it's not perfect. This is me doing it. It's not perfect. I don't want to do it. Uh, th this morning, let it be a good example as a reminder to me that perfection ought not be in the, in the way of sharing the good news of Christ. This is not perfect. There are things about this whole day I found very, very frustrating. But here I am sharing the good news as intended. The world will say that it's unfair to ask anyone to do an impossible task. I've, I've been through this before. Well, I mean, how can I share it with everybody? How is that even possible? There's no way to get this up to the ends of the earth. So let's not even start. Well, as we step out of faith, Christ will see us through every step. This is a, there's a constancy here. Did you catch the thing? This isn't about looking good. It's not about feeling good. It's not about being busy. It's not about acting a part or making friends or tricking people into coming to church so they can, you know, bait and switch them with a, ooh, it's a free something, and then boom, here's the gospel. We hope it sticks. This is about doing something that we cannot do alone. We cannot do it alone. Amen. Without Christ sharing the word of Christ, makes no sense. The, the drive, the impetus to go, the desire to share, the brokenheartedness for a community, it's not going to happen without Jesus. We need Christ every way. And the great news is, when we talk about do or do not, Christ has done all that is required for eternal life. Right. It is finished. Mm -hmm. So when we go step out in faith, and we know that it's already done, can we fail at all? Now, I know how the world measures things. I take a basketball, I throw it at the hoop, and it doesn't go through. People would say, you missed the shot. Nobody would ever say, hey, he's already made that shot in eternity. <laughs> I know, I've never heard that, right? But when we talk about us in this realm, in the, the roles that we are called for, Christ, we win. God has done the work. It is over. All of those who will be saved have been sealed since eternity passed. What we're called to be 
he is faithful. We go out, we share the good news, and they don't respond. God bless you. I'll be praying for you. Hey, you, let me share the good news to you. They respond, awesome. Respond, don't, 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 don't. Respond, don't, 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 don't. Never heard from the two that responded again. Guess what today was? If I shared the good news of the gospel with a, a heart focus on Jesus Christ, huge success. Somebody would say, oh, man, I can't believe it. Nobody? You didn't baptize anybody on the side of the road today? No, I didn't. But I shared with everybody I saw the good news. When we, when we approach things that, in that manner, it really changes the game away from a worldly series of measures and best efforts and let's count everything and make that important to am I doing what I was called to do by Jesus? And if Christ has done all that is required for me and all to have eternal life, then... He has already made a way for us to have a house on an unfailing rock. I don't have to worry about the wind. That will come. And the rain, that will come. And it will beat on the house. But it won't knock it down. It will not fall. So what about us? In this new place, we continue to build on a solid rock. You know, that's something I think we really focused on in our old location. It's something we're going to continue to focus on here, especially as we're stepping out in faith. But to do that, we must put our trust in Jesus that he will use us as he sees fit. If you wonder why we're here, like, what's going on? I mean, are they, is the church growing or dying? Like, I, I guess you could say in some regards, it's just not something we're too concerned about right now. What we're talking about is as long as we have the means, we are going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to whoever walks through whatever door stands between us and the outside world. That's right. That's where we're putting our trust. Jesus will use us as he sees fit. We welcome the rain the floods and the winds, because the rock stands. When you feel like, man, it is, I am getting beat up, it's all coming apart. I hear the roof right up. Have ever been through a thunderstorm and it feels like, or sounds like, you're about to get destroyed by it? Like the windows start rattling, if you open a door, like you feel a vacuum popping, your ears like, here we go, well, I think we're going to die today. And then all of a sudden it's gone. And then you walk outside, maybe you lost a shingle or two. Imagine a foundation so strong that it even holds the shingles down. But we don't have that in the real world. But what we're talking about here, this house doesn't fall. There's no evidence that it's even damaged. It, you are impenetrable on the rock of God. You might think that you're getting destroyed, but the house, the part that matters, stands in eternity. In Jesus, and by obedience to his word, we cannot fall. Let that, if nothing else, if nothing else sticks in your brain today, let that stick in your brain. In Jesus and by obedience to his word, we cannot fall. It's what he said. These aren't just my words. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. He caught standard version, if you will, of Jesus and by obedience to his word. We cannot fall. If I do what I heard, I'm, I'm like a wise man who builds his house on the, on the rock and, I, and the house doesn't fall down, right? Right. What if I feel like my house is about to fall down? Let's pray about that. I know I'm getting some doubts. I'm getting some fear. I've got some worries and concerns. Jesus already talked through. Please go back and read this. We talked a lot about anxiety and worry and concern. He's got all this handled. There's nothing new here. So today our call in action if you don't know Jesus, we'd love to talk. That's number one always. <laughs> if you don't know Jesus, we'd love to talk. I add to that, the reason we love to talk is because of much of what we're discussing is going to be impossible to do without Jesus. You can act, you can fake it for a long, long, long time. 
But you cannot, you cannot do what needs done without Christ. If you don't have a church home, we love to talk. Uh, we're here, we're in a new location, there's plenty of seats, we can even add more. Uh, so if you're interested in finding a church that gets plugged in, you live close to the square, and you think, I'm going to head on over there, please do. Lots of floor space, and we'd love to see you. If you know Jesus, but you're stuck in a sandbox, we'd love to talk. Very common. I've been at a time or two in my life where I know who Christ is. I know where the rock is. I hear his words, but I'm not doing them. I see the rock. I know the rock, but this sand is so nice. I'm going to build a house over here that I, I dare to complain that it collapsed just as God said. Let's get back on the rock. And if you're standing on the solid rock, then share the good news. If you're where you need to be, if you're doing the work and you're spending the time in the Word and, and you feel like, you know, Christ has done so much for me, you will naturally be led to share that with everybody you see. To give them an opportunity at the same freedom and, and assurance that we have when we are standing on the solid rock. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are, are so thankful to be in a new place. We're so thankful to have an opportunity to share the gospel in a new location. Lord, we pray that those that have ears to hear, that those that are online, those that maybe are walking by and seeing the signboard and trying to figure out what we're about, Lord, will find their, their way in here to hear your good news and to, to hear something that may change their life for all eternity, Lord. And that something is not the, the words from our mouths or the words that we sing or some sort of a catchy idea for life improvement, Lord. Those are your words given to us over these many centuries, Lord, that we hold in such high esteem today, and rightfully so. I'm thankful for the Word of God that is just as powerful here as it was at Christie Road, as it is around the world. Lord, I pray that we take our, our job here, our opportunity here very seriously, and we look forward to seeing all the, the amazing things that are going to be done by you, through you, and for you at this location. Amen. Amen.